0: Love
1: Talk
0: Radio Playing Sports City Chefs From Amazon Music Yeah Woo Let's go Y'all need to sit back Listen, enjoy the ride Sip something, light it up, enjoy the ride Cause the Sports City Chefs Is on the night In the kitchen cooking up, they on the ride. Sport city sport city. Chef chef. sport city, sport city, chef, 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 Yes, chef. Lord, We got a brand new present. Joe Biden, we riding. I pray you haven't Word from the wise, my people stay ahead. Of. Come on. I've been relevant, tryna survive the elements. It ain't no love in these streets, these dudes telling me Case goes in cold, to hot state.
1: the kids uh. uh, 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 uh. what's going on sports city opening weekend or they say week zero last weekend but this is a full-fledged opening weekend of college football season WNBA in full effect as we start to get closer in the regular season there I believe uh, lots of things going on in this sporting world NFL cut down this week uh, so lots of news there. Uh, baseball getting into the stretch run. We're getting into the last month. STP calls them. Tomorrow officially starts the Burr month Sports City. So we start to get into the fall, into these cold months. as eventually that uh, winter time kicks in. Welcome in to Roundtable Gumbo, where we always bring spice here at Sports City. Chefs on Thursday nights, 9, 9 p.m. Eastern time. I'm one of the hosts of this show, Mike Harvey. I'm hoping to have my co-host, Mr. Chandler Knight, in the building very soon. If he's not here yet. Chandler, are you with us yet? Okay, so no Mr. Knight yet. Hopefully he will be popping in very soon. Um, much appreciation to him for all that he does, helping me get things scheduled, run the board, all those things that Chandler helps with. Uh Man, I couldn't do this show without Mr. Knight, so I very much appreciate uh, him co-hosting with me and all that he brings to the table. This is not a one-man show. Sometimes I run this on uh, on Thursday nights, uh, but this is not a one-man show, and it would not be uh, the same without, without Mr. Knight uh, alongside. So hopefully he will be popping in with us tonight, and we can have him uh, to... Go over things with us here in Sports City, but we had some really interesting things happen this week. Let me go ahead and hit this as I'm waiting to see if maybe he pops up and will show up with us. Um, we have we had our first ever uh, Sports City Fantasy Football Draft on Tuesday night, live draft. I got a bad grade one of them because of my auto pick. But I still like my team a pretty good bit. I may read that to you tonight here at Sports City before we wrap up, but I am not 100% sure. Let's see what else, uh, happens as we go throughout the night. I think we've got plenty of other material not to have to delve into that. Uh, if any of the chefs happen to pop on, just go to the board and let yourself in, please, and thank you. Uh, let's see. So lots of good things going on in the sporting world. Uh, tonight, we got a couple of uh, college football games around the country, two in particular in the SEC that I'm watching. Florida's playing at Utah It's 7-3. Utah now early. Utah hit a big home run play. The starting quarterback for Utah um, is not playing tonight. So uh, he is not in. The Utes are having to get by with a backup quarterback, a four-year guy in their system. Uh, He did step up and promptly throw a 70-yard touchdown pass on the first play from scrimmage tonight uh, to put them up 7-0 on the first play of the game. Florida has started to kind of turn the tide um, in that game since. They have a couple of uh, decent possessions, Uh, Trevor Atien, Travis's little brother, a couple plays. Uh, Graham Mertz, the Wisconsin transfer at the quarterback position, has made a couple good throws. This Florida team is very, very young. It looks like they have some skill players. Uh, Have they developed their lines yet? And, you know, what can they be by the end of this year? I don't know. This is kind of a big year for Billy Napier, uh, former University of Louisiana head coach, now the head coach at uh, Florida took that job last year. There's a lot of talk about whether or not it was going to be uh, him or, you know, Billy Napier was a guy that was mentioned Uh, Pretty prominently in the LSU coaching search uh, last year, Uh, but he did not get that job. He's not happy about it, but he definitely did not get that job. That job went to uh, Brian Kelly. So LSU getting ready to start their second year uh, playing Florida State in a big game on Sunday night. And what is probably the biggest game of week one in college uh, football is that LSU-Florida State game, only because it's the only game with two top ten matchups. Now, one thing I can say, the LSU Tigers have not ducked opponents in the opening weekend of college football. I can't say that for every program. LSU played Wisconsin down in Houston and at Lambeau Field. They played Oregon even when Chip Kelly was there, and they were pretty highly ranked. Uh, when North Carolina was supposed to be really good. One year under Butch Davis, they played them. LSU has not dodged uh, tough opening weekend games. Um, And this is the second year in a row that they are playing Florida State. Um, And last year they played them in Baton Rouge. LSU was in great shape until uh, the very, very end of – well, they started slow. They had a chance to come back and win that game, or at least forced overtime. A missed extra point by the Tigers uh, forced, a, forced caused them to lose that game 24-23. So, the LSU got off uh, to a loss in year one under Brian Kelly. Uh, they were, of course, able to come back and have a really good year. They just had the one other loss in the regular season to Tennessee. Of course, they got handled in the SEC championship game by Georgia. Two-time defending national champs. I don't think they're going to make it three this year, but we'll see. Uh, nobody's done that since the 30s and the University of Minnesota, of all people. So uh, we will see what happens there. Real quick, PHI Apparel, uh, Co. Use promo code CHEFS at checkout for 15% off. of uh, For all your Philly clothing needs, listen, the Phillies are hot. Uh, high expectations for the Eagles. Going into this season, uh, 76ers, uh, who knows? Maybe if they trade James Harden, uh, a harden Sixers jersey at a serious, serious discount. We'll see what happens there. Lots of talk about James Harden over the last couple of uh, weeks in regards to uh, him being traded or whatnot. We've talked about that extensively on this network, so... That's going on there. But anyway, the PHI Apparel has you covered for all your Philly sports clothing needs. They have unique designs that are making you shirts sure to stand out in the crowd. And we appreciate them sponsoring our show. So check them out. Once again, Apparel. Co. promo code CHEF. at so check out for 15% off. Uh, so check them out for sure. We definitely appreciate them sponsoring our shows. So tonight, real quick, just kind of going around, Sirius and I had a really kind of back and forth, you know, they were saying food fight in the kitchen last night. Sirius swears uh, the Big Ten is the best conference in college football. He said better than the SEC. I took exception. We had a nice little back and forth debate. Uh, you can check it out. Just like you could check out any of our other shows on any of your podcast catchers, any of those apps. And also check us out on sportscitychefs.com. we got other articles, finger foods, different things coming up uh, as we get hot and heavy in the football season and as baseball kind of hits the the stretch run. Check us out there at Uh You can also listen to us on all your smart speakers, smart devices, and all that kind of stuff. So uh, feel free to check that out. I'm going to start with this weekend, a very, very big series. To me, um, the only race left in the National League is in the Central. And for the wild cards, uh, the Brewers are got a little bit of a lead, but Chicago and Cincinnati are still kind of lurking there uh, within a few games in that National League Central division. And all three of these teams, the two that don't win that division, are strongly in contention for a wild card race. Uh, The Phillies are probably going to get that first wild card. So right now, you got two other wild card spots. And in contention for those are really, I'm going to say five teams, four and a half technically. I think the two that don't win the Central plus the Diamondbacks and the Giants are also right there uh, in contention. The Marlins are still close. Uh, They would have to get a hot streak, but the Marlins could still possibly get there. I wouldn't put strong money on that, but those are five teams possibly um, in contention for those last two playoffs. Uh, Let's see. The other race in in the National League is going to be for the number one overall seed in home field advantage all the way through the playoffs. As of right now, the Atlanta Braves have a four-game lead on the Dodgers. The Dodgers, man, who sat second place and and lower for the first couple months of the season have absolutely caught fire. Uh, something like 21-4 and four or something for the month of July. Uh, for the month of August, it's very much similar to what the Atlanta Braves did in the month of June as far as really hitting that hot streak. And so the... Dodgers have are opened up a lead of about fourteen games in their division. So uh much like the National League East, uh borrowing some barring something crazy happening, uh that division is sewed up and looks like it's going to be the Dodgers. The Dodgers and Braves are far ahead of everybody else in the league, but it's a four game spread separating those two teams right now. And The Braves visit Chavez Ravine to play the Dodgers this weekend. During earlier in the season, the Dodgers went into Atlanta and got the best of the Braves. Now the Braves are going into L.A. with a series starting tonight. Starting in about 58 minutes, actually, Spencer Strider pitching game one tonight. Uh, The Braves are basically going to throw their four best uh, in this series. I think you're going to see Strider. I think you'll see Bryce Elder. I think you will see Max Freed, and I think at the end of the series, you will probably see Charlie Morton. So they're going to throw their four best starters so far this year at the Dodgers. Uh, that Dodgers lineup absolutely scorching hot uh, recently. So uh, this should be really good. If the Dodgers somehow find a way to sweep this thing, they break even with the Braves. Obviously a split. They're the same spot they are right now. Either team wins uh, – Either team wins three out of four, then they pick up a couple of games. So uh, we will see what happens uh, as this series gets ready to get kicked off tonight, tomorrow, Saturday, and Sunday. Four games with the Braves visiting Chavez Ravine and playing the Dodgers to try to stay them off in the race for number one overall seed and best record in the National League and very possibly best record in baseball. Uh, The Dodgers are now right up there with anybody else in baseball for the best record in the league. And, you know, (laughs) I said multiple times earlier in the year, if you were going to get the Dodgers, you better get them now, and nobody's been able to get them. They're still in the postseason. Uh, They've played a lot of kids at different points throughout this year. Uh, James Outman has pretty much settled into a regular everyday role in that outfield. But we've seen other kids like Johnny DeLuca, to go along with veterans, uh, we've seen Michael Bush get a cup of coffee here once or twice, uh, the second baseman who came out of Louisville. Uh, and then we've also seen, you know, their veterans in their mainstays. They got the guys that have been part of their rotation for a while and Will Smith and Max Muncy. And then they also have the veterans that they picked up in the offseason, uh, David Peralta, Jason Hayward. And they also got Mookie Betts still in the saddle <clears throat> and Freddie Freeman in his second year in LA going to break a franchise record for doubles. And Freddie Freeman is really hitting the ball extremely well this year. Uh, so they have found a way to kind of piece it together. Kershaw's back now. He's pitched really well when he's been healthy. Julio uh, Urias has been very much kind of up and down uh, this season Walker Buehler is, is supposed to throw a couple innings, well, one or two innings this weekend, and a rehab assignment coming off Tommy John. So we'll see if he's able to build some arm strength back up and if he can be useful for the Dodgers come postseason. But if you're going to get him, you better get him right now because I believe the Dodgers will make moves in the offseason. They have brought up a lot of young pitchers as well to figure out kind of what they have. Uh, and I think the Dodgers, After getting a look at these guys, we'll kind of figure out what to augment. They will be a player in the Shohei Ohtani sweepstakes. Uh, Don't get that twisted. I think, to me, I think really four major contenders for Shohei. I think other teams will kick the tires on him, but the other thing I think with Shohei, and I said this last week, uh, his price tag may have gone down some. Uh, With the Tommy John thing We'll see if he has surgery Or if he puts it off like Tanaka did And try to still get back But Shohei If he does have the surgery uh, If he does it right after the season uh, Could still be back And be able to hit next year However he probably won't see the mound again Until 2025 If I were them I would be careful They say 9 to 12 months But this is his second uh, Tommy John surgery So if I were Shohei I would, you know, if you want to play for the rest of this year, I don't know why, I I would go ahead and get this surgery done now to get back as quick as possible, but he's trying to be there for his team, so uh, you can't knock him for that. Though his team uh, decided to wave the white flag, which it possibly should have. Chandler uh, said on this show with me that he thought they should have made trades before the deadline, that this is not the right move for them. It's proven to be the case. I can understand why they did what they did. The Angels are trying to win. They're trying to prove to Shohei that they wanted to win. You know, they started by making moves in the offseason. Uh, they were one of the first teams to really uh, do anything, getting Hunter Renfro, getting Gio Urshela, uh trying to sign some pieces to uh, add some depth to that team. Uh, and then they got Eduardo Escobar from the Mets. And then when... Trout went down, and they had some other things. They, they go get Randall Grichick, Uh They go get Mike Mostakis. The Angels really tried to make some moves. No, they, weren't, they didn't really sign any major, major impact guys. It was like they were hoping to uh, catch lightning in a bottle, if you will, with a couple of guys who had flashed at the major league level and had, had success before, but all these guys definitely on the back ends of their careers. So the Angels were at least trying to see if they could, uh, you know, uh, bargain shop but find some people that could be useful and beneficial for their team. Uh, But they really, really hit an extremely rough patch in their schedule uh, here in the month of August, and they were unable to come out the other side a lot. So uh, they waved the white flag. They put a bunch of guys on waivers, um, including Lucas Giolito. Uh, lots of different guys that they that they put on waivers. Hunter Renfro, Randall Grichik, uh, several other guys. I did read today that the Reds picked up Hunter Renfro and Harrison Bader from the Yankees uh, as sort of depth pieces for this team. Uh, you know, the one good thing I think for the Yankees, and I'm going to come back to where I was with the Angels, but the one good thing I think about the Yankees with this Renfro. Pick up is it does possibly open up center field for Dominguez to play for the rest of the year. So we're going to get to the New York teams in a second, but real quick as we wrap up on the Angels, uh, you know, Chandler was proven right by the fact that this team should have, you know, made their moves uh, earlier. I mean, they they should have made trades. They should have gone the other way and decided to sell. Uh, but I don't know. I, Chandler, my co-host, has said this multiple times, and I agree with him on this. Uh, I don't know that they're going to ever really find any big modicum of success until Bryce Harper sells that. T- I mean, until oh, Bryce Harper. What am I thinking? I I had to work 12 hours today, y'all. I got right off work. I came straight to the show. Uh He's not going to – they're not going to find any level of success, I don't think, in Anaheim until Art Marino sells that team. So hopefully he will at some point. Uh, and, and then we will see, you know, what they can do. But, I, you know, I think the Angels have a shot at signing Shohei. But I, there's going to be some long discussions, and they're going to have to show him a plan. Uh, that shows them a commitment to winning. And I'm not sure that that organization um, is capable of proving that. So we'll see, you know, how that sort of uh, pans out, if you will. Also, what else do I have? So I think that covers everything I wanted to talk about uh, with the Angels. Is They did wave the light flag, like put six-plus players on waivers. A couple of them picked up. Um, And before we go, talk about kind of the races in the American League. I want to go to New York. It looks like that the New York teams are doing what Chandler said and what I agree with him on that they should have done um, at the beginning of this year. Ronald Mauricio for the match is going to be coming up tomorrow. Uh, They're saying he may play third base with Viento having struggled some. Then he may slide in at third base, could play a little bit of second in the outfield. He's been playing shortstop a lot in the minors. But obviously right now the Mets have Francisco Lindor at the shortstop position. So we'll see. Uh, But they're at least calling this kid up, and I, I like seeing that. As far as one other thing on the Mets, I did see something the other day that said they may seriously look to trade Polar Bear, Pete Alonzo in the offseason. Uh, to me, that would be hard for that fan base to stomach unless you really got a lot back for him. Uh, this Mets team, wow how quickly that fall uh, took place. This team was – spent a lot of money, was projected to – by a lot of people projected to win that National League East. They go get Verlander. They go get Scherzer. Uh, they go get some other pieces. They re-sign Brandon Nemo. None of it works out. None of it. Uh, now both of your possible Cy Young Award winners are pitching for playoff continuing teams in Houston and uh, Dallas-Fort Worth area for the Texas Rangers, uh, to be exact. And they trade Mark Canha to the Brewers. He's helping them, so he's playing on a first-place team. You know, a lot of those guys probably couldn't wait to get out of there and go somewhere where they can possibly contend. Uh, Edwin Diaz swears he's going to come back and pitch this year. I don't know why, unless maybe they're going to trade him too. Who knows? I wouldn't think they would, but I know I didn't expect the Braves years ago to trade Craig Kimball, Uh, but that trade also brought them back Max Fried, so I get it. Uh, This uh, Braves organization is, I mean, this Mets organization is a ways away from winning. Uh, and so, you know, a, a closer doesn't necessarily help you. I mean, yes, he gives you lockdown wins, and he's a guy that you could keep around for a long time. And keep in mind, Edwin Diaz signed one of the richest contracts and made the richest contract for a release pitcher that we've ever seen. So, uh, there is definitely a commitment there by the Mets to Edwin Diaz. So, I don't think that he's a guy that they would look to trade. And you could argue that. The celebration at the World Baseball Classic after they won uh, had a lot to do with the Mets season spiraling downhill from the time uh, Edwin Diaz got hurt. Uh, you know, that, that threw their bullpen into flux and just kind of, I don't know, I feel like they were reeling from the time that happened. So Edwin Diaz talking about possibly coming back, my question once again, Why? Uh, just get healthy if you feel like you need a few extra innings this year. Maybe throw a few in winter ball. I don't know. But uh, I just don't see a whole lot of reason for Mr. Diaz to come back and pitch in the month of September. Um, now let's go from one place in New York. The other place is going to be shut down come playoff time as well. Uh, in the Bronx, the New York Yankees, they are bringing up Jason Dominguez young 20-year-old outfielder. Uh, Tanner and I thought they should have put him at left field and left him alone early in the season. With Harrison Bader being traded, that possibly opens up center field for him. So you have him, you have the kid Henderson. Uh, is going to play more. They're also bringing up Austin Wells, who is a hit first catcher. Uh, All those guys are projected to possibly be in the lineup tomorrow. Uh, when the Yankees play the Astros. So we will see um, how that works out. I feel like that gives the Yankees fans something to look forward to, something to see, watch these prospects, see what you think about our future kind of thing. Um, And the Yankees almost had to do this right now in order to keep some interest because now with football, the Jets possibly being pretty good, the Giants being a playoff team last year. I think that some of that attention is going to be diverted as long as people feel like one of these teams has a chance to be uh, good in the NFL. So Yankees playing their young prospects uh, is a good thing. Get a look at them for next year and probably give some of these guys a leg up on an everyday job uh, next season. So Mets, Yankees playing their prospects. Uh, I anticipate maybe the Cardinals playing some of theirs, too. Uh, but to me, Mets, Yankees, and Cardinals are three of the most disappointing uh, stories in baseball this year. I know a lot of people that thought the Cardinals were really going to be good this season. Uh, my co-host tell you all about Oliver Law, and I'll tell you that they need to get rid of him in order to be successful. So uh, we will see what happens in St. Louis. They've been caught by Pittsburgh. So I talked about the National League playoff race. And I mentioned that we have as many as five, probably more like four teams contending for two wild card spots. And that being whichever team doesn't win the Central between the Brewers, Cubs, and Reds, also the Giants and the Diamondbacks, and possibly the Marlins still kind of lurking right there uh, as well. So five teams there. Looking at the American League, it's a little bit more cut and dry, but the best race to watch, I believe, right now, is the National League, is the American League West. You have the Mariners, the Rangers, and the Astros all grouped right there, uh, pretty much within percentage points of each other, looking at what tiebreaker scenarios would be. Uh, there's a very good possibility. Uh, it was said to me by one of the chefs re- over the last few weeks that the West will only get one team in the playoffs. They may get three. Uh, I think you're going to see uh, one team come out of the Central in Minnesota, though Cleveland got the better of them this week. And Cleveland also claimed a bunch of pitchers. They got Jolito, They got Matt Moore. They got another guy, too. So uh, with the losses in McKinsey and the loss of Bieber, and all the people banged up on that Cleveland staff, you know, they've thrown some of their young kids, David and Curry. Uh, they've also thrown Logan Allen and a few other kids this year. So looking at this team, I, I don't think Cleveland can climb back. They they do play Minnesota head-to-head. They would almost have to win every matchup against them and continue to uh, – they'd have to go on a winning streak and hope Minnesota starts to slide. Uh, so looking at the – American League, you have Tampa and Toronto pretty neck and neck in the east, which is going to be an interesting race. I feel like the Central is wrapped up with the Twins, but anything could happen. And then the West is very close. As far as wild card teams, to me, there's really only one extra team, uh, to be honest with you, and that's the Toronto Blue Jays. They're not very far back. Boston is kind of lurking, but I think they're a little bit too far uh, to climb back into this thing. We talked about the Angels falling off uh, with that major losing streak. It's still kind of trying to fight back. Oakland, Kansas City, Detroit, Chicago all eliminated as well. Uh, Kansas City, the last-place team there. Chicago is falling like a stone. uh, They're in fourth place. And as we talked about last week, I'm glad that Chicago made some changes up high I did not believe that Rick Hahn should be the architect of this rebuild. So you got six playoff teams in the American league. You got the three division winners plus whatever two don't win the West and Toronto competing for those two, for those three teams competing for those two wild card spots. Uh, because as of right now you're looking at Tampa and Baltimore, uh, being the division winner and wild card team coming out of the East. So really only one extra team uh, in serious contention right now in the American League Though Boston could maybe go on a run and make it really interesting, but also the closest division race in baseball is in that league and Tampa and Baltimore are very close in the American League East. So two hotly contested division races, And then whichever teams don't win those divisions all competing right there for the wild card. So that leaves for some pretty fascinating drama going down the stretch. Uh, Although not as many variables involved, uh, still very compelling uh, pennant races down the stretch. So that's kind of what our overall baseball picture looks like. Uh, Now, I wish I had Chandler here because there are a few questions I really want to ask him. I can tell you that there's been a lot of debate. Ronald Acuna is one home run away from becoming the first man in baseball to go 30-60 in the same season, which is very impressive. Uh, Rookie Betts is having a phenomenal year as well. It's been Acuna or Freeman was the discussion that we talked about a couple weeks ago, and Olsen, uh, as good a year as Olsen's had, I think he's kind of faded. Mookie Betts has been really, really good lately. One of the highest citizen in baseball in this last month. And Mookie's got an added advantage, too. He also plays some second base and has played some shortstop. Being able to put him at second base allows you to stack your lineup, your outfield with all left-handed hitters. And like Peralta, Hayward, and Outman, it allows you to go more left-handed against right-handed pitchers. We'll see that tonight against Spencer Strider as well for the Dodgers, so uh, keep an eye out there. Mookie Betts has played gold glove right field multiple years. Is playing a very good second base, and as I said, has even filled in at shortstop some. Uh, Mookie Betts is a plus, plus, plus defender. Uh, And then he set a career high for home runs. He's coming up on 40 home runs. Uh, He's been a fire starter uh, for that Los Angeles Dodgers offense much like Acuna has been in in Atlanta. Um, I talked about this the other day, that Atlanta lineup from top to bottom is crazy deep. Marcelo Suna who caught a lot of flack from me early in the year, um, has really caught fire and been extremely hot in the last month or so. Uh, Marcel has really, really progressed. He's up over 270 right now. He's a 30-home run platform. He Uh, has really been raking over the last month or so. Uh, Really cut down on strikeouts, really making solid, loud contact, and even uh, doing a really, really good job of just staying within himself. Um, I'm I'm very impressed with, with what I've seen from, from Marcel, Marcel's even been showing some opposite field power. He's got, like, seven home runs in his last nine games or something ridiculous. Uh, but Marcel, as soon as has caught fire uh, for the Atlanta Braves, they've been a stalwart in the middle of that order. Uh, like I said, he couldn't get his average over 100 in the first month of the season. Now he's up over 270 and and really doing his thing for the Braves. Um, that makes that lineup even longer. Michael Harris is up. They just got Ozzy back. Uh, Austin Riley for a third straight year eclipsed 30 home runs. Uh, Matt Olson's up in the 40s. Him and Shohei Otani are competing for the major league lead in home runs. Uh, Matt Olson has an outside shot at setting a Braves franchise record uh, this season for home runs, so a single season record. So we will see what happens there as that continues to unfold. The Braves have some tough games left. They got seven more with the Phillies. They got four this weekend with the Dodgers. Uh, they have some pretty tough games still left on their schedule, uh, but they haven't shown a lot of signs of slowing down. Um, and this team's cruising 87-45, and 45, uh, 42 games over 500, with 30 to go. So, uh, as I just told you, 11 of those 30 are against surefire playoff teams, um, and those aren't the only tough games left on that schedule, but Uh, those games will be critical in the Braves trying to come out and break a franchise record. I think 106 wins and 56 losses was their record in 1998. That was their best regular season win total. This is a very good team in 93 when they won 104 games as well. Lost the Phillies in the playoffs. Uh, Kind of I don't know. I feel like kind of spent themselves at the end trying to go down the division race, but Uh, that's what we have there. We mentioned the Mets. The Phillies have been crazy hot. Bryce Harper, his power is coming back. He's over 300. Uh, Trey Turner, who started so slow. Uh, A couple of multiple home run games recently. Trey Turner is really hitting the ball well uh, for the Philadelphia Phillies. This team, Aaron Nola, pitched well his last couple of times out this Phillies team is going to be something to continue with. And if you're a fan of them, go to phiapparel.co. Use promo code CHEFS at checkout for 15% off. Thank you again, PHI Apparel, for sponsoring what we do. Uh, the Looking at the central, the brewers have kind of settled in. They, they are... Uh, Brandon Woodruff has been back. Corbin Burns has been pitching well. Freddie Palazzo has been pitching pretty well, too. Their offense is starting to scratch out some runs. Uh, So this team is looking good right now. Uh, The Cubs have caught fire. Uh, Cody Bellinger uh, would be an MVP a lot of other seasons. Chandler has been talking about that guy, and he's been a champion for Cody Bellinger uh, for a while. And so uh, to see that come true, and with the Cubs being able to get hot before the deadline, you know, it's funny, three teams that we thought might sell, and it really only worked out for one of the teams that didn't. The Padres didn't. uh, The Padres didn't. Neither did the Angels, and neither did the Cubs. It has worked out for one out of three teams who decided not to sell. Uh, But the Cubs are right there. Cincinnati, those kids are there. They've kind of hit a little bit of a slump, but they've been really good. Uh, Most of this year, they uh, they caught fire in June, won 12 in a row, and they're just trying to – and they're trying to – the Reds are trying to climb back. They got some of their young pitchers back, and Nick Lodolo, Graham Ashcraft, Hunter Green – Uh, Andrew Abbott, who looks like he might have lost some steam. So we'll see this weekend. Uh, This is a big series for Cincinnati as they play four against the Cubs, starting with two tomorrow, another one Saturday, and one Sunday. Um, So just like the Braves and Dodgers have a big series this weekend, uh, Cubs and Reds have a huge series this weekend that will have an impact on that National League Central Race. I know the Brewers are hoping that they split and beat each other up and the Brewers can take care of business this weekend against who they play. But the Brewers don't get it any easier than the Cubs and the Reds as the Brewers have to play the Phillies this weekend. So uh, lots of playoff hopefuls uh, matching up this weekend in the National League. Those could be uh, your six playoff teams um, in matchups this weekend with Braves, Dodgers, Cubs, Reds, Phillies, and Brewers. Uh, The Diamondbacks and Giants will still have some things to say. That Giants offense, no superstars. Uh, Alex Cobb almost threw a no-hitter the other night against the Reds. Uh, they brought a, another kid up that pitched well the night before, Kyle Morrison, maybe is his last name. Uh, that I don't think that's his name, Kyle somebody. I'll have to look that up. Uh, pitched really well for the Giants in the first game of that series. so uh, But the Giants don't really have any stars. They got some good young players coming up. Patrick Bailey has been good. Theo Estrada is starting to turn into a really good player. Uh, this team has, has pieces. Um, but No stars, and that offense has really kind of fell off some. Uh, Chandler said going into this year that he thought the Giants would be there. I kind of laughed, uh, but he was right in that as well. So lots of teams right there in the National League. Uh, So that's it. I mean, the National League is going to have more teams uh, fighting and have more teams to watch in the standings with really one division race in question. The American League pretty much have all the teams, maybe one extra uh, fighting for those spots, but a really, really close race with three teams bunched up in one division and two teams right there together in the East. So uh, that's what we need to know there. Um, so Mookie Betts, real quick. Uh, there was He has definitely entered into this MVP discussion. Uh, not only because of his defender, but because he can play in so many places. And so uh, there is a legitimate belief amongst a lot of people around baseball that right now Mookie Betts could be the winner of the MVP award. I think him and Acuna will finish first and second, and I would probably give it to Acuna right now, but I can understand the vote for Betts. And I think that a lot of what happens over this next month will help us decide Uh, who will be the MVP of the National
0: League.
1: Uh, So that covers baseball. I'm going to talk a little bit about the Southeastern Conference. Georgia is the lead dog uh, coming off those two national titles. You know, Alabama is Alabama. They got to break in a new quarterback. LSU has a proven quarterback. Still not quite as much depth as they would like, so uh, health is going to be a key thing for LSU if they're going to be able to win the West and get back to Atlanta for that conference championship game. Uh, but this is a big game for them this weekend against Florida State. You know, Florida State figures to really push Clemson and the ACC. So we will see uh, how both of those top ten teams look in the feature bout of the weekend on Sunday night. Uh, check them out. LSU, Florida State, Sunday night. ESPN, ABC, whatever the prime time channel is for that. Uh, but that game will be kicking off around 7.30 Eastern Time, 7, 7.30 Eastern Time on Sunday. So will be the last Sunday until after the first of the year that we don't have NFL football, as that kicks off seven days from tonight with Kansas City hosting the Detroit Lions, as they come calling on ring night, banner night, in Kansas City at Arrowhead Stadium. So, lots of talk around these Lions. A lot of people considering them favorites in the NFC North. We will see what happens. But the – sorry about that. I had something go off and was just trying to catch myself and see what we had going on there. All right, so uh, next weekend we get kicked off of the full slate of games, Detroit visiting Kansas City, uh, uh, the Giants and Cowboys, Saints and Titans, lots of games next weekend. Uh, we will pick the Thursday night game, I'm confident, on one of our shows next week. And then next Sunday morning, QP and I will be here this Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern time and next Sunday as well and that's when we start going through and picking our games uh, for that day's action. So TP&I on Sunday morning, 11 a.m. Eastern time, uh, the time of Sunday morning brunch where we recap what happened over the weekend and set the table for you uh, for what's coming up on Sunday and the week ahead. So check TP&I out on Sunday mornings, 11 a.m. Eastern time. Check us out on Sports City Chef, all of our other shows throughout the week, 9 p.m. Eastern Time, NFL front office show on Tuesday nights, Callers cookout on Wednesdays, roundtable gumbo on Thursdays. I'm really hoping to have my co-host back again sometime soon. He's not here tonight, so hopefully he's getting his rest and feeling okay. I hope to have Chandler back very, very soon. Uh, Let's see. I mentioned I was going to mention the SEC. There we go. Sorry about that. LSU does not have the depth yet, but we'll see how they, what they can do against Florida State. Uh, Alabama with Alabama. got to break in a quarterback in the Texas A&M. Supposed to be hopefully trying to come back this year. It's a big year for Jimbo Fisher, but they're breaking in a new quarterback. Uh, the, one of the more experienced quarterbacks in the league is K.J. Jefferson from Arkansas. He's been around for a little while. He's very athletic, can run, can cling that thing too. Uh, Ole Miss, Lane Kiffin has three quarterbacks there that he really likes. He's got Spencer Sanders, the Oklahoma State transfer. He's also got Jackson Dart, who transferred from USC, who played for him last year. And then he's got Walker Howard, the kid who transferred from LSU in the off season. So uh, Walker Howard left one room, hoping to find a place to play, and landed in another crowded quarterback room. So we'll see if he can find the field um, in Oxford. Um, and then Mississippi State, with also Mike Leach last year, they're going away from that air raid, but Will Rogers is a guy who has set all kinds of records, school records at Mississippi State. So we will see what he looks like in more of a pro-style uh, type offense. Uh, but I think all those schools in the West have the ability to be competitive. Uh, throughout the league uh, In the Eastern division Florida is losing 17-3 to tonight To Utah and Utah doesn't have their starting quarterback This does not look good early For Florida but going into Utah uh, Two time Defending Pac-12 champs Is not an easy feat at all But uh, That's where the Gators are Tonight Without Utah starting quarterback, they're still taking care of business and doing what they need to do. Uh, Looking at the east, as I talked about before, uh, Georgia kind of top dog um, in that conference. Um, Other teams to be heard from uh, in that conference would be the Tennessee Volunteers, breaking in an old quarterback, Joe Milton, who lost his job to Hendon Hooker a couple years ago. But um, he will – we'll see what we get out of him. Um, Kentucky has Devin Leary, the kid from NC State, who transferred in. Um, So we will see – uh, what he brings to the table uh, for Kentucky, trying to give them some uh, some much-needed uh, help in the passing game. Uh, and then also in the Eastern Division, I think Tennessee is probably picked to finish second by most people. Florida, like I said, the quarterback transfer from Wisconsin, uh, trying to settle in there. Not a good first half, but still lots of time in that game and in the season for the Florida Gators. Uh, Missouri is playing tonight against South Dakota. They coming off a 6-6 six and six season, much like, uh, much like Florida last year. Vanderbilt's the doormat of that division, and then the other wild card in that division is South Carolina with Spencer Radler. So we'll see. He struggled early in the season, did not look great. But, of course, South Carolina closed strong last year. They beat Tennessee, ruined their playoff chances. They then beat Clemson for the first time in a long time and won their ball game. So we'll see if they can ride any of that success into this season. Um, in the Big Ten, Michigan leads that conference. Uh, is is the prohibited favorite in that conference? Ohio State trying to break in a new quarterback will be heard from. So will Penn State. There's some other schools that we'll see what happens there. Another game that I'm really looking forward to this weekend is TCU in Colorado. That game is early in that early window, that noon window on Saturday morning. Uh, TCU is a 20.5-point favorite. I don't know. I think that's a lot. But we'll see. Nebraska, I mean, Colorado also plays Nebraska here soon. Um, so, you know, we'll see what Dion can do um, in Colorado. This is a different level. Uh, Colorado, of course, is joining the Pac-12. I'm sorry, the B- Big 12 here in the next couple of years. They're going to go back home to the conference that they were in for years. They were in that Big Eight, which is, became the Big 12 once the Texas schools joined in the 90s. Uh, Colorado got out several years ago when Utah did, uh, but Colorado's going back to the Big 12. Um, and that's that's going to help the Big 12. They, they even expanded and got Arizona, Arizona State. Utah's going to the Big 12 as well. Um, so we will see what happens. The Big 10 then decided to cherry pick, and they got... Washington and Oregon to go along with USC and UCLA. So, uh, Pac-12 had uh, those twelve teams. You lose those four, and then once you factor in Colorado, Arizona, and Arizona State leaving for the Big Twelve, uh, the the Pac-12 is is they're falling like flies, man. Um, The only thing you really have left um, in that conference after the exodus of those teams is Oregon State, Washington State, Stanford, and Cal. So that drops them down to really the pack four. I feel like there's five. And I'm missing one. Let's see. Washington, Oregon, the two California schools go to the Big Ten. And that drops us down to eight. Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah go to the Big 12. And then also exit Utah. So that's four more. See, Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah Those three leave, and then Colorado's leaving two, so there's four more. So that leaves us four. There's been talk about whether or not any of those teams will join the ACC. What happens there? I don't know what that looks like. The Pac-12 has a lot of things to figure out Um, in the college football landscape. I think the Pac-12 is eventually going to become the no Pack, and they're going to be gone. So uh, we will see. What happens with the Pac-12? Uh, I, I don't think the music has quite stopped. I don't think everybody's gotten their chairs. Um, and as of right now, we know that Washington State, Oregon State, Cal, and Stanford have been left out all together. So it'll be interesting to see um, how that continues to shake out uh, this weekend. The TCU-Colorado game, like I said, I find interesting. I find Florida-Utah interesting. Uh, You know, Iowa better be careful as they're playing, uh, uh, what did it say? One second, let me double-check that. They play Utah State. On Saturday, Utah State has really uh, pushed some teams and ruined some people's seasons very early on. So a tough matchup for Iowa. Iowa State, uh, coming from the Big 12, matches up with UNI in-state battle. University of Northern Iowa, the Panthers, on Saturday. Um, listen, the Iowa's been hit in the football program and in the wrestling program. Uh, guys betting on sports. Uh, Iowa State got hit, too, with some guys getting suspended, guys betting on sports. Listen, when you're in college, you can't bet if you're a college athlete. You just can't do it. The restrictions are even tighter than in the NFL. In the NFL, you're just not supposed to bet at work or on site. Uh, But in the, the NCAA prohibits any betting at all from college athletes, um, and so some of these guys are facing suspensions. Uh, some Iowa and Iowa State athletes even full year suspensions. So uh, it's pretty easy, kids. Wait till you get out of college before you start betting. Uh, that being said, uh, it'll be interesting to see how that continues to uh, materialize. As well, the U.S. Open is going right now. This is week one of the U.S. Open. Uh, Coco Golf hey, is hanging around. Yes, sir.
0: And Mike, guess who yes, finally sir. showed up? I'm yes. so sorry, man.
1: Oh, you're good, man. How are you tonight?
0: And I, it's, I don't know. I'm getting old. It's too late. I fall asleep every day or one time.
1: Well, we're—I'm glad to have you, man. I was—I—I—you—you uh, you had to go back and listen sometime. I was giving you all these kudos <laughs> about being right on a lot of different subjects uh, tonight. Definitely giving uh, some praise and shout-outs to my co-host uh, this evening. Uh, just to kind of recap where we were, we talked about how the Angels should have sold at the trade deadline and how they're regretting that, and they waved the white flag this week and put everybody on waiver And they pretty much have picked up. Uh, I mean, listen, everybody, Renfro, Gridchick, all of them, listen, Jolito, they, they Matt Moore, all of these guys. On waivers. Um, and they they waved the white flag for real um, in Los Angeles. Uh, they should have done that a month ago, maybe could have recouped some more assets or, or done some things. And then the other thing I pointed out that you said about the Angels is uh, they're not going to go anywhere until Artie Moreno sells this team. Uh, so we uh, we talked about the Angels. I pointed out your comment about Oliver Momo He needs to be fired for the um, – the Cardinals to go anywhere. Uh, if it were not for the disappointments in New York, we would be talking about St. Louis as being one of the most disappointing teams in baseball as they are sitting in last yeah. place in that central division. Uh, so we talked about that. I kind of laid out the uh, the playoff race. You and I went back and forth on how many teams were going to make it from the AL West, and it looks like right now there's a good possibility we could get three of them. Uh, but that is the most yeah. exciting division that is the most exciting division race left um, with all three of those teams right there pretty much bunched up together. And so I talk about in the American League, you got those two teams plus uh, whoever doesn't win between Baltimore and Tampa and then Toronto kind of lurking back there as well, trying to get a, a wild card spot. I mean, Boston could maybe do something, but I doubt it. So I pretty much said there's Really seven teams competing for six spots, and we just kind of watched the division race in the West. And the East is still really close as far as the division race, but uh, not a ton of teams there. Really only one or two – really only one team that uh, can uh, knock one of these off, I think, probably in the, in the American League for the playoff picture. And then we talked about the National League and the fact that we got more teams bunched up right there. Um, and we got at least four teams contending for those last two wild-card spots. The two teams that do not win the Central, we talked about the Cubs. I gave you kudos for Cody Bellinger and what he's done this year. Uh, And we talked about those two teams and then the Giants and the Dodgers. And the Marlins still having an outside shot for that third wild-card. I think the Phillies pretty much may be locked up that first wild-card. We'll see what happens as things continue to to evolve. So we talked about baseball a little bit. We kind of went into football. I sort of hit the SEC a little bit. Uh, You missed it last night. Uh, Sirius and I had a pretty big uh, food fight uh, on the cars cookout because Sirius opened his mouth and said that the Big Ten is the best conference in college football and way better than the SEC. Uh, And that sparked a pretty uh, heated debate, uh, which was a lot of fun uh, last night. So Yeah, because everybody knows it's the Pac-12. Yeah, and then we talked about the Pac-12 completely now becoming the Pac-4 and maybe eventually becoming Pac-0 and having to shut everything down. Um, I I, I was just kind of hitting college football. I talked about TCU in Colorado on Sunday. Uh, TCU, 20.5 points, Chandler. What do you think about that?
0: The game is going to be way closer than that. I do too. See, it, it's funny because they they hate they hate what Dion is doing so much um, that they will find any reason to to discount everything he's done. Now, is he is he a um, let's say is he self absorbed? Okay. Um, is he Is he not um, cut from the same cloth as most coaches? Yes. Because he actually gives a damn about his players. He actually wants his players to be successful in life. Um, and honestly, a lot of these coaches that say they do, they don't. So it is what it is. But listen, the man can coach, okay? The man can coach. So... It, especially given that TCU, what they did last season, you and I both know it's hard for teams that really haven't gotten as far as they did. Um, you know they don't have a sort of a history of getting in the playoffs and all of that stuff. There, that's all in the season. Those first couple of games, they're pretty shaky. So yeah, I can I, I see this being about a, this game being about a field goal to me. I don't, I don't, I don't think it's. I there's no in hell that Colorado about by twenty points. I so will tell you that right now.
1: I I agree with that. I said last night. I think that you know. Here's the thing. Let's be honest. TCU has not been racking up top ten recruiting class after top ten recruiting class. It's not like they got five star kids, uh, you know, breaking down the doors to get into their football building, right? And they Mm -hmm. lost their starting quarterback. Uh, They lost their starting running back, who was a third-round pickup by the Saints. They lost their best pass rusher. They lost a lot of talent Mm -hmm. um, off this team last year. And the Colorado Buffaloes, like it or not, like the way they did this or not, they brought in a ton of talent. And I would would make the argument that there's – as much or more talent on the Colorado sideline than there will be on the home sideline on on Saturday morning when they line up to play against TCU. Now, some of these TCU guys have more time in their system, so maybe familiarity will be good, as some of these Colorado kids are still trying to get used to each other and get used to what they're doing. Now, some of them played together last year for Jackson State, um, but you do have a lot of uh, fresh faces and new talent uh, you know new faces in new places or old faces in new places, if you will um, from you know as as Deion Sanders did bring some of his guys, but also hit the portal pretty hard there's a big collection of talent right there uh, if if Dion 's son uh, throws the ball well on Saturday, all bets are off. Uh yeah. But I I, yeah. I really like Colorado plus those I think twenty and a half is way too many. Um yeah. and I think they're gonna I think they're gonna show it tomorrow. And these are future conference foes now, right? With with Colorado <laughs> going to be making the switch to come back to the Big Twelve. I said before Colorado was part of that conference forever, back when it was the Big Eight. Uh it became the Big yeah. Twelve when they added the, the four Texas schools back in the nineties. Uh, when they wanted to go to 12 and have a championship game, uh, people forget that Big 12 was the the second league to do that. Um, the SEC did it. Big 12 did it not very long after. Uh, and they those okay. are the first two, two leagues to do championship games. Uh, yeah. And so Colorado, part of that for a long time, they break off and go to the Pac-12. Uh, they try it for 10 years. This isn't working. Let's go back. Um, so, you know you add those you add them with Utah coming in and the Arizona schools, and the big twelve becomes pretty formidable um they also yeah. you know you, you keep keep in mind the big twelve also added what um houston b y u central Florida and Cincinnati right uh to kind of and those teams enter the league this year um and those teams Uh, Came in to sort of offset the loss of Texas and Oklahoma Uh, So, uh, you know, a a couple months ago It was looking a little bleak for the Big 12 as well Uh, But once the Big 10 grabbed the two California schools And they decided to also get Washington and Oregon uh, That allowed the Big 12 to swoop in and be like Wait, we already got BYU, let's bring in Utah Now let's bring in Arizona and Arizona State to go with this border war, and now we get Colorado to come back. They all got some natural rivalries built in with Kansas, with Kansas State, with, you know, Nebraska, and maybe Colorado, you know, also, well, Nebraska's in the Big Ten, never mind, but maybe now what they do, and, and we'll see how they line it up, but you may have to put, uh, for rivalry weekend, you may have to put Colorado with Oklahoma State, right, like just to sort of even it out. Uh, yeah. But at the end of the day, they're still going to play. Uh, you know, fairly closer to to home. You know, um, I was not that far from. Iowa I State's not that far from Colorado. You just got Nebraska in the middle, and that's a big state that takes forever to drive through. But you got Nebraska in the middle, uh, and then you know the. The closest thing that the thing that made the the Colorado fit sort of in the Big Twelve, I mean in the Pac Twelve, was the fact that Utah went with them, right? So now right. you have BYU and Utah, who are both you know border states to Colorado. Both of those schools are you know in the next state over. Arizona's not far because you got the Four Corners. Right, uh, yeah. That one little spot in this country where you're in four states at once in New Mexico, Arizona, Colorado, and Utah. And so now mm-hmm. you got three of the four corner states represented now in the Big 12. Uh, that's a big coup uh, for the Big 12. My, uh, I have to tell you my one line that I gave serious was maybe now that you've expanded your conference from New York to L.A. Maybe you can eventually become the best conference in college football. <laughs> but you had to go nationwide to do it. Uh, <laughs> uh yeah, he, he we went back and forth last night and uh uh I, I talked about uh I asked him how many national champions in football uh they've had in the last twenty years. And uh and then he tried to hit me with well, the depth of the big ten when the SEC only has one or two schools, and uh, it, it it was fun, we had a good time. But uh, <laughs> right. so, Chandler, I want to well, hear the thing is
0: you got you have so many teams in the SEC that don't belong in the SEC. That right? In that sense, he's right. The SEC is very top heavy. Um, they're very top heavy. Like Missouri, there's no in hell Missouri should be in the SEC. I'm sorry, they should. There's three or four teams in the SEC that just shouldn't be there. You know, if they win six games, right, which is the bare minimum to make a bowl game, that's considered a successful season. When if you're going to say the best conference, then that's not what it's supposed to be, that there's more teams just trying to win six games than there are talking about the national championship, you know. But by the same Look, token, you can say the same thing about the Big Ten. Outside of Ohio State and Michigan, right? Who honestly has a chance to win a national championship in the big ten?
1: And my comment to him was, okay, so Penn State went down to Auburn and won last year. You want to be proud about that? Mm-hmm. Well, Auburn was so good they fired their coach at the end of the season. So I mean Yeah, you know, but and one, then hired one, the wrong one, coach
0: to replace him.
1: Right. But one of the problems that you run into is when you play two-thirds to three-fourths of your games in your conference. You're going to beat up on each other. You could say top-heavy for sure, but my, my my one response to that was, well, in the last 20 years, Ohio State's won two championships for the Big Ten. They had the one over Miami that they shouldn't have had with the Willis McGahee thing. And then they legitimately beat Oregon in the first college football playoff. Now, Ohio State had every opportunity to beat Georgia last year in the bowl game. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: And I and I think coaching messed that up. Now, when Georgia got to the national championship game, uh, they left no doubt. But Ohio State very easily could have, and, and I'll be honest with you, should have won that game last year in the college football mm-hmm. semifinal. Honestly, should have. Um, once again, uh, I use this expression. I've used it for a while, and I know you use this as well. Brian Day had to try to be the smartest guy in the room or in the mm-hmm. stadium that night, and it cost this team a chance to play for the national title, and I don't think anybody listening or anybody that is in their right mind believes that TCU is going to beat Ohio State any more than they were going to beat Georgia, right? Uh, but they sure beat Michigan, who's the big dog, and, in and the Big Ten last year. And,
0: and by the way, if, if Jim Harbaugh doesn't doesn't get so damn cute, those first two drives. Michigan beats TCU.
1: The walked working
0: there, I think, could they could beat them. And Michigan, those first two drives, they got cute. And they screwed those drives up. And you got no points. And now the team that thought they couldn't play with you was like, really? This man. is all you got? You, you trying to get cute? You getting cute? Because you worried about us? Oh, we got him now, boys. So once again, you have a coach from the Big Ten who tried to be smart and screwed the game up for his team. And I remember saying it to someone, I don't even remember who I said it to, after the first, Michigan's first two drives, I said Michigan's going to lose his game. I said Michigan's going to lose his game because they're trying
1: to be cute. So my, my one argument with Sirius last night was, though, the SEC does at least in these last two decades have four teams that have multiple national championships over the last 20 years. LSU, LSU's got three, Florida's got two, Georgia and Alabama. And Auburn's got one. So you've got five teams that have won titles. That's, I, I would say that's almost half the league. Uh, it, it is still almost half, but they got 14 now. So that's a, that's better than a third of the league that have all won titles. Uh, now, beyond that, this is a big year for a lot of those middling teams in the SEC, right? Uh, I mentioned Arkansas earlier. They have one of the most experienced quarterbacks in the league. Uh, this is a big year for Sam Pittman in Arkansas. This is a prove-it year. Uh, one of my least favorite coaches, is definitely under the gun at Texas A&M. Uh, it's supposed to be a big year for him. Uh, we'll see what they can do. I just think it's funny. Nothing. I, I don't really. I don't really nothing. like the addition of. Te- Say it again. Jimbo ain't doing nothing. Um, no. The one no.
0: championship Jimbo Fisher won was with Bobby Bowden's team. Okay. That's correct. Let's be honest about that. All right. Jimbo Fisher has yet to win. As a head coach, when he is supposed to, he is yet to win a game he's supposed to win. The hell with a national championship! Just win a game you're supposed to win. Just win a big game. Tell me the big game that that that, that Jimbo Fisher's won, and that's that's not Miami. Okay, because you and, rivalry, and I don't count rivalry games honestly because they're always a, toy, a, a coin toss. I don't care um, how good one team is, how bad one team. is. If they're rivalry games, I mean you know those blood rivalries. It's always a toss up to me. Always a toss up to me. But tell me, tell me the game. Tell, somebody tell me the signature win of Jimbo Fisher's career.
1: I think it, with the team been recruited. Think, yeah, I, I honestly think the two games that Jimbo can hang his hat on. And it sounds bad, but the Joe Burrow's first year in Baton Rouge, they had that I don't know seventy-eight overtimes. Uh, where the the game turned out to be like 142 to 140 or something, uh, that <laughs> okay. game they won, and then the next year with Joe Burrow when they when LSU had that crazy good year, LSU just blew them away. Like they they're like, okay, we're gonna show you this year. I listen, it was personal uh, that season, and then last year A and M beat LSU at the end of the year too, uh, and that. And LSU was clearly favored in that game. But at the end of the day, LSU still overachieved last year, uh, considering where they were when, when Brian Kelly took that job. They were down to, what, 39 scholarship players. They had to hit the portal. They had to do it again this year. Um, they're they're going to get to the point in the next year or two where they don't have to hit the portal like that anymore. Uh, but nobody thought LSU was going to win the SEC West last year and play for the SEC championship. No. Uh, no, nobody believed that was going to happen. And so there were all these people that really questioned whether or not Brian Kelly could coach. that's a That was a really good season for this. And, uh, you know, TP said last night that he thought that Brian Kelly was under the gun in Baton Rouge this year if they don't win that game Sunday night against Florida State. I don't necessarily agree with that. Uh, I think he knows that he's another year out. Now, if LSU goes five and seven, that's a whole other ball of wax, right? But – uh you know his it he kind of bought himself a little bit of time uh with that SEC championship game appearance last year but there you know he's got a quarterback uh, that is proven got another year in the system and by all accounts has really made some more progressions as a passer uh through the off season so we'll see but Jaden Daniels is going to be given every opportunity to take that LSU team to another level but this Sunday night, man, that's the biggest game of the weekend, I believe, uh, in college football because it's the only one with two top ten teams playing with LSU and Florida State on Sunday night. And and I like that that good of a game is separate from everything else.
0: You see, I don't believe Brian Kelly. I don't believe – first of all, I don't believe in Brian Kelly as a coach. I don't believe in he's a coach in Notre Dame. Um, he, there's always a yeah, but with him. I know now I like always liked Arizona State. And I liked Herm Edwards. So I always paid attention and watched when Jaden Daniels was there. Okay? Jaden Daniels is he's a far more talented Sam Darnold. Far more talented than Sam Donald. Which means that what by saying that what I'm saying is He will give the ball up. He will make a bad decision at the worst possible moment. He'll overthrow, underthrow, interception, fumble, something. You name it. At the worst possible moment, that's what he's going to do. I don't believe in him. I don't. I don't believe in him. And that's who Brian Kelly is hanging his hat on is Jaden Daniels. We saw Jaden Daniels. You say what you want. That staff at Arizona State, those kids that that graduated for that that got drafted from Arizona State, that went to the NFL, were all, most of them, the majority of them, made rosters. The majority of them have, have are still in the league, okay? Because the one thing they did do was they they prepared them for the NFL, okay? Jaden Daniels, he ain't it, he ain't it. So, I don't think LSU's a top ten team personally. I don't. I don't think they're a top ten team. Um, and you know I don't I don't really believe in Mike Norvell either, but we'll see. Uh, now that he's maybe got it turned around at Florida State, but I don't believe in Brian a top ten team. Um, I think LSU is losing two to three games this season. Honestly, I think that, I, I think, I think they, they, they
1: probably lose two, at least two or three. I, I agree with you. I, it's a tough schedule, and I also I, I also think that um, you know. I, I think that I think that Brian Kelly is a better long-term coach than Ed Ogeron. That's not saying a whole lot. Um, right. I think I think he's a better coach than Les Miles. Once again, not saying a whole lot. Uh, he's the best coach that they've had in Baton Rouge since Nick Saban. Um, and he's the best coach that they, you know, looking back uh, on the few coaches that they had before that. What I will say is uh, there's no excuses if you can't win in Baton Rouge. At Notre Dame, you could say, okay, not in a conference. At Notre Dame, you could say it's not the same Notre Dame. It doesn't have the same mystique as it did once before yeah. and all this. You can, you can can You can say all these different things about, Notre Dame not having as much talent around them or whatever. You, it, it, you can make all those excuses if you want to. I'm not saying they're valid, but I'm saying you can make them. You can't make those excuses at LSU. Uh, no, you can't. Too much ta- you can't. There's too much talent in that state. The LSU has a strong, strong recruiting hold in Houston as well. They get players out of Texas, and they can go get some other guys. That LSU, the, the LSU brand, is a is a national brand uh you know serious went as far as to call them a laughing stock over the last few years they did have a couple down years right after they won the national title but lsu has been competitive for the better part of the last two decades uh and and that's a that's a place that players will go they got good facilities it's a nice campus that's a place that players will go play um, And they're also doing a lot of things to try to help themselves in, like, the Neil, you know, name, image, and likeness and that kind of thing. So um, if Brian Kelly, you know, he went to LSU because he believed that that was a place that he had a better chance to win a national title than he could at Notre Dame. Is it a better job? In my opinion, yes. I um, mean, I'm not just saying that as a fan. I just think with the conference that they play in and everything else and with as much talent as you can get to just in your car, um, I think it's a better job. But what I will say is if you can't win there, there's no more excuses for Brian Kelly. Very Yeah. Yeah. I mean, listen, the talent that comes out of Louisiana,
0: if you especially if you recruit there and you can recruit there, and you recruit well then you should be able to win because you're going to have quality talent there. You're going to have talent there that actually wants to stay home. Um, for some reason, I've been watching um, early in the mornings because you are not know, don't sleep, that ES, a lot of the ESPN radio stuff, this do Ian Fitzsimmons, who honestly I can't stand, but one of the things he talks about is how his brother, he's got a brother, I guess, who's an assistant coach with the Panthers, and how their mother is actively rooting against him because she a Saints fan. She's like, I hope you go fifteen 2 <laughs> right <laughs> you know, which is hilarious. But you see my point. Kids wanna play in Louisiana. They don't wanna leave Louisiana. They all wanna go to LSU, you know. So again, the talent wise, Brian yeah, Brian Kelly has no more excuses. He's he's got no more excuses. Um that that's why that's why I, I I'm Like, who's the biggest game of the weekend? I don't think so. Honestly, I don't think so. But, again, I have no faith in Brian Kelly. Expect him to screw this up. (laughs) Like, I expect him to screw this up.
1: I really do. Okay, so what I will say is, according to the rankings, biggest game of the weekend, because these are both two teams ranked in the top ten, will they still be there? Who knows? I expect TCU and Colorado to be a good game, but there is, uh, other th- there's some uh, Big Ten matchups like Nebraska Minnesota I think are playing tonight. Uh, there are some some Big Ten matchups, some conference games, but there's not a lot of really good on good happening in Week One in college football, right? So to me, so um, that's kind of like. one of the reasons I went to.
0: Yeah, it, it depends on what you like. Like honestly, I think the the Florida-Utah game, which I fell asleep on. while I was like, oh, man. I, and the funny part is my phone, my alarm went off at 845, okay? And I was okay. I'm going to watch like five minutes of this game, and I'm going to get up. And then, of course, I went to sleep.
1: <laughs> but ooh, It is 24-3, by the way.
0: <laughs> exactly. And I had a feeling Utah was going to put it on him because, again, Billy Napier, I think Billy Napier is a better coordinator than his head coach. I'm sorry to say it, but I think he's a better coordinator than his head coach. But that's a big game to me because everybody keeps talking about, oh, and what Florida and that is Billy Napier, and Florida and Billy Napier. Yeah, okay. He gets smoked 24-3. Mm-hmm. Oh, by the way, Utah's and not even playing the first-string
1: quarterback. Exactly. And their and they're All-American tight end's not playing either, right? So right. This, is, uh, this is not good for Napier. And, and here's the thing. Napier was a very, very good coach at University of Louisiana. Used to be called University of Southwestern Louisiana. Then they called it Louisiana Lafayette. Um, you know, this was a, a Sunbelt school. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a big difference between the Sunbelt and the Southeastern Conference. Right? So let, nope. me, let me say there that is. first and foremost. Um, there, there's a big there's a big difference between those conferences, uh, and so and no shade to the sun belt. like the Sun Belt uh, did a good job last year uh, you know they they got one of their teams uh, one of them knocked off a and m right last year uh, once once again proving the fraud that is Jimbo. Uh, they competed well against some other schools. Uh, so the Sun Belt is not a bad, bad league, but there's a difference in getting ready for teams like, I don't know, Texas State and Coastal Carolina and Georgia State and whichever Florida school or South Alabama or University of Southern Mississippi. There's a difference in preparing for those schools and preparing for Tennessee, Georgia, Florida, South Carolina. Uh, even Ole Miss or Mississippi State each week. That that's a different level of competition, right? And uh,
0: mm-hmm.
1: not every coach can do it. Um, you know, Billy Napier was a guy that a lot of people wanted to get the LSU job. And the athletic director it. looked. <laughs> the, the athletic director looked at it and said, "I'm sorry. I know he's a, from Louisiana. He's here. Uh, I respect him." but I just don't think he's done enough to be handed the reins to a program like this. Right. Uh, but right. as as he was sort of still in contention for that job, Florida, you know, pulled a... You know, they sent Tom Hagan out. Uh, they didn't have to kill the horse or anything, but they sent Tom Hagen out and made him an offer he couldn't refuse. And so uh, Billy Napier goes to Gainesville, and so then that allows... Uh, Scott Woodward, the athletic director at LSU, to center in on, on Brian Kelly, who he had got word might be interested in coming down there. And I understand your indictment on Brian Kelly. Um, I think he's still got a lot to prove. But Brian Kelly at least has taken Notre Dame to the playoffs once, took him to the championship game, got smoked. Uh, but that being said, if I had to pick between the two, I'd rather have Brian Kelly than, than Billy Napier as head coach. Oh yeah, listen, Kelly is
0: going to. Kelly is going. He's 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 um. Who, he's Walter. me. Your team is going to be good. <laughs> Your team is always going to be in the, in in the hunt. But he ain't getting you to. He ain't getting you there. You know, he's not getting you over that. Hunt. Um. I think Brian Kelly is going to have LSU – because, like I said, I think they're going to lose two to three games. So he'll have LSU in the conversation. Like, LSU should be – you think if they lose three games, they're probably top 15. Um, if they lose two games, they're probably top 10. You understand know what I'm saying? So it's, mm-hmm. it's that that one game is going to be the difference between him being top 10 and top 15. Um, but but going to the say the last three weeks of the season, they're gonna be right there. they to be right there. <laughs> and the Brian Kelly's gonna screw it up. But yeah, Napier, I wasn't. I didn't have high hopes for him. And again, when I said he's better coordinator, I, again, like you said, I understood what he did in the Sun Belt. This is a step up in class. Step up in class. He ain't built for this. Okay, he is not built for this. Yes, you can recruit when you're in the Sun Belt. You're a great recruiter in the Sunbelt. You ain't out recruiting some of these dudes in the SEC. You are not. Because the guys you were getting in the, the guys you were getting in the Sunbelt were the guys those other teams weren't recruiting anyway. You understand what I'm saying? They were four three and four stars. You wasn't getting no five stars down there. Maybe once in a while you did, but you weren't getting no five stars down there. They they, they, didn't, they didn't want to talk to you. And let's be honest, Florida Florida only has – Florida has name recognition as a speech barrier, but Florida ain't in Florida in a long time, man, a long time. Not since you – know, not,
1: not since so Urban Meyer comes in, they win, they win the national title, they
0: mm-hmm. come back
1: the next year, and Nick Saban beat him so bad he quit. He said, I'm going to take my mm-hmm. ball and go home. I can't compete anymore. And then he goes to Ohio State, and then he he starts having health problems again. So, um, you know, I I think that Florida, in a lot of ways, Florida and LSU, it's interesting that they were the cross-division rivals because I feel like that those two programs uh, mirror each other in a lot of ways. Uh, You know, as far as – a very excitable fan base, a really raucous home environment, a team that's hungry to win. Um, I, I think that they they mirror each other in a lot of ways. Uh, but at the same time, um, you know, the only difference is I, I, I think that, you know, LSU doesn't really have as much competition or really any competition in their state. Uh, they got to guard against people coming from out of state to get their guys. But whereas Florida has <laughs> – Florida State, Miami, uh, now Central Florida is in a major conference, so they have a mm-hmm. lot of others. Now they got a lot more players in their state too, uh, but yeah. you still got you still got a, a a lot of other people competing in your backyard. And to your point, just to kind of double click on that, Dan Mullen was that's crazy. This is a twenty-four to three football game. The difference in yardage mm-hmm. is only four – it's only four-yard difference in total yards mm-hmm. between the two teams. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. So, anyway, uh, so Dan Mullen, you could argue with what he was able to do in Starkville at Mississippi State. You could argue that Dan Mullen is the most successful coach in Mississippi State history. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had Dak Prescott. He had Mississippi State. At number one for a few weeks Who ever would have thought that would have happened That's when the whole world went crazy in like 2014 Uh, Mississippi State Sitting at number one for a few weeks Ole Miss occupied the number one spot For a little bit that year too Um, Just uh, But Dan Mullen took That team to Multiple bowls Won the majority of his bowl games But only one, really, one regular season game against an SEC team that he was the underdog in. They beat an Auburn team that they were uh, that Auburn was favored. Uh, they beat them, but he pretty much won the games he was supposed to win, right? right. Um, and then had decent enough rosters. But why am I talking about that? Because he goes to Florida. And one of the biggest reasons why he lost that job was because he really came under fire about recruiting. He said, we'll talk about recruiting when it's time to talk about that, but right now I'm talking about, you know, the game and what's going on. Well, sure. what you don't understand is when you get to schools like that, and by schools like that, I mean Florida, LSU, Georgia, Tennessee, Alabama, you can even throw Auburn in there, Ohio State, Michigan – USC, Uh, I'll even throw Texas and Oklahoma and Texas A&M in there, Um, and Clemson, Mm -hmm. recruiting is a 24-7 job. You got to keep an eye on that throughout the season because if you fall asleep at the wheel on a five-star kid that you're recruiting and they don't hear from you for a minute, you ain't gonna hear from him again, uh, because right. there's there's other vultures trying to get those guys, and so he had the same thing. He, the same guys that you were getting at Mississippi State were guys that you were getting because the upper echelon programs in that conference didn't want them. Right now, could could you find some diamonds in the rough? Sure, you could, right? Uh, Dak Prescott was out of Louisiana uh, and LSU didn't give him a look at quarterback. Now, as bad as the quarterback situation has been at LSU uh, for the last uh, several years, Joe Burrow excluded, uh, you know, they could have used Dak, right? But they didn't no. go that route. Uh, so you're going to have some, and sometimes maybe it's because a program just misses on talent or whatever, but. You can't recruit the same way at Florida as you did at Mississippi State, and right. because you can't, and because he didn't seem to get that, uh, he lost his job. Right. No more. Uh, no more head coaching job at Florida for Dan Mullen, and now he is on TV. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> yeah, uh, you, you know, and, and he didn't make it there more than two or three years. And when he, when he, and when he first came in, he went into Starkville and beat Mississippi State. That's what he's supposed to do. That's what Florida – Florida should never lose to Mississippi State. Um, now, Spurrier did one time on a Thursday night uh, with Shane Matthews at quarterback when they were supposed to be really good. But more times than not, uh-huh. uh, Florida took care of business against the lower-level schools in that conference. But Florida's been down the last few years. And when Mullen took over that program, they were not in great shape, um, and so you should have you should have known that recruiting should have been of the utmost importance year round, and because you uh, didn't respond the way people thought you should have once again out of a job so well, uh good riddance and if he, and listen he came from another s e c school now a uh, uh, middle tier to lower tier in the conference SEC school. But if he couldn't figure it out, that tells you why Billy Napier couldn't. At least, like him or not, believe in him or not, at least Brian Kelly was a little bit more prepared to walk into the SEC because at Notre Dame, he was trying to get, or he was uh, at least in competition to try to get some of these bigger recruits. And is difficult enough to recruit to Notre Dame, so you had to be extremely diligent. So he was more prepared for those battles uh, than, than right. Billy Napier or even Dan Mullen. But Dan Mullen should have been just as prepared, right? But he wasn't, so therefore right. he's out of the job. Yeah. So I mean, it's, uh, go ahead. Utah's put it on these guys, though.
0: <laughs> Dude, I'm trying to get to it because I just realized I was watching again on the ESPN app uh, on my other TV. So I'm in the TV in my living room. I go to Spectrum, and um, Spectrum, all the Disney channels have been removed from Spectrum because they're in a fight really? with money. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know that because I've been watching it on the app for so long, I didn't realize that. So it's crazy right now, man, uh, having to type in damn passwords and emails and stuff. Always a pain in the behind. Um but, listen, I think this college football season, honestly, is going to be the best season we've seen in a long time because this is the closest, this season is the closest to parity that I think we'll ever see in college football again. Because going forward, it's really going to be the haves and the you ain't got no damn chance in hells, not even the have-nots, Okay. <laughs> It's the, you ain't got no damn chance in hells at this point 'cause there are there are schools that are literally gonna just be thrown to the wayside with the all the realignment and basically the super conference they the super conference they're creating so i there are a lot of i think there are a lot of teams that are gonna do well there are teams that people expect to do well that are not gonna do as well as people think um so I think it's gonna be a really fun um uh, what, what word am I trying to use? College football season. This is gonna be really fun. I mean, think about the fact that we've been talking about just the amount we've been able to talk about two teams that honestly we both know really have no chance of making it the the, the, the the championship game. You know, mm-hmm. they got no chance. But it's gonna be fun to watch them. You know, it's gonna be fun watching LSU. It's gonna be fun watching Utah. Okay, it's going to be fun watching the Colorados, um, the the Arkansas, the Kansas States. The Kansas States, it's going to be fun watching those teams, man, because those teams are going to win some games. Oh, my God, I can't believe they won a game. Why can't you believe it? (laughs) You know, why why is it shocking to you? You know, have you been paying attention? You know, and we're going to see – some early calls for, for for some coaches'
1: heads that people don't expect. and It's going to make things interesting next year because, I mean, this is really, if you're a college football, quote-unquote, purist, it's of your last stand. I mean, we go to 12 teams next year. But the deal is, is if we're not, you know, it, it's going to be interesting to see how they – how they shake things out because they're talking about having to reorganize and figure out with the Pac-12 not being there. Originally, it was going to be the five major conference champions, one team from the smaller conferences, the best of the the mid levels, and then six at large. But now mm-hmm. with the deterioration of now with the deterioration of the Pac-12. They may have to redo that and say five conference champs, like the big four and then an at-large from the uh, other leagues and then maybe seven at-large. They still got to figure that out. But what I can tell you is uh, most of your at-large spots are going to be SEC mm-hmm. and 10 big 12 teams, right? I mean, that that's yep. pretty much how we're going to fill out the field, Let's let's be honest, All right? That's that's where we're that that's where we're going with that. Um, so it, it it's going to be it, it's going to be a different animal, and I still think these super conferences are really going to hurt the other sports. Um, you know, Barry and yes. I disagree. Because Barry and I disagree on a couple of things. I understand that football drives everything as far as revenue goes. But I I still think that at some point we're going to have to look at it and go, okay, football needs to be organized differently from the other sports. And then maybe we need to find a way to still have our conferences kind of like they were in the other sports. I don't know that that's going to happen. Um, But if we really care about the athletes, that's what needs to happen. Because they've never cared about the athletes. That's the thing. Right.
0: They've never cared about the athletes. It's just now becoming painfully obvious to those who want to sit around and, and, and wax nostalgic about the, oh, remember in the good old days, there are no good old days, okay? <laughs> this this was always about money. You know, you can go back to, 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 the, to the Galvin Ghosts and Red Grange. I don't care how far you want to go back. It was always about money, bro. It was always about money. But they were able to kind of couch it in the whole, you know, student-athlete, blebity, 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 and and sanctity of sports and sportsmanship and we're not professionals and bibbidi-bobbidi-boo. Okay. You just made it real obvious you don't give a damn about these kids. You don't give a damn. Because, again, like you said with the other sports, Okay, let's say you're a, 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 a you're a swim team. Your meets are very different than football team. Only plays once a week. You might play three. You, you know you're having meets three or four days a week. When the hell are you supposed to go to school? When when you you at USC, and now you you and, you got to go go to New Jersey. When the hell are you supposed to go to school? Seriously? Come on, man. Miss me Miss me with the nonsense, yo.
1: Yeah, I mean... Mike, you still there? Okay. Yeah, I'm here. I agree with you. It's crazy, and I just think that all the other sports, you can call them non-revenue sports, whatever you want to call them, but those sports are really going to suffer um at the end of the day and I don't know what that's going to look like the fact that you have a conference that ranges from Piscataway, New Jersey to Los Angeles, California all in one league is just 74 types of ridiculous uh
0: yeah so yeah yeah because the kids <laughs> I mean, that the kids, uh, the kids that that go for swimming or volleyball or whatever they're not going they, they're not looking to go professional you know maybe they got to shot the olympics you know, but even if they don't they play a sport for four years which helps them in life as they graduate and they go on to their careers. It is helpful to have played sports at a high level. Even if it's even let's even if, I mean even if you just talk high school, right? It is helpful to have played organized sports because it teaches you so many things. Right? So again we we're back to the whole um deal of you know what? Don't tell me that you care um about these these students. Because you don't. You know, there should be a basketball, a football only conference or whatever you want to call it, and there should be a basketball only one. Right? But you take those monies, you know, that you're making and you contribute that money back into your schools you know, which again helps what they call the non-revenue sports. There's a way to do it, man, but these, these 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 school um administrators are so short-sighted, they are so short-sighted and greedy that they're going to burn some of these sports to the ground. They're going to burn them to the ground because in, in in a rush, you know what's what those saying pennywise, pound foolish? That's exactly mm-hmm. what
1: they are. So real quick, uh, just a quick update in this series in Los Angeles, Ronald Acuna just now with a resounding blow has hit a grand slam to put the Braves up five, uh, one early um, in that, um, in that game against the Dodgers and Ronald Acuna has now officially become the first man ever to hit 30 home runs and still 60 bases in the same season. Uh, yeah. You know, the interesting thing, Tanner, uh, we were talking about the other week, and I want to throw one other guy into this because, to me, I think it's it's starting to get down to two people. The next month will determine. We talked about Freeman and we talked about Matt Olson uh, with Ronald Acuna, mm-hmm. but when you look at what he's done over the last month, Mookie Betts is really entering that discussion. Career high at home runs, plus plus outfield defender. He's played really good second base. He's even filled in some at shortstop him being able to sometimes move in and play second base allows you to stack three left-handed hitters in the outfield against right-handed pitching, um, A plus defender wherever you put him on the diamond. And now that he's, you know, hit a career high at home runs um, and he's, you know, got these numbers, there's a lot of talk now that maybe Mookie Betts may be surpassing Ronald Acuna in this MVP race.
0: Nah, I can't see that. I can't see it. I can't see it simply because of what Mookie Best has done. Why won't this thing work? Um, what is going on here? Um, I'm trying. To, it's not taking my fast way, I don't think. I can't see it simply because of, of oh, I know what I did, um, what has done. You understand know what I'm saying? There's no way in hell. I don't see... Nope, it's kind of like in the AL. I'm sick of hearing about Shohei Otani, right? Sick of hearing about it. Um, because he's not that great a pitcher. He's 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 basically a third starter at best on any competent staff. But Otani is the AL MVP. I don't give a damn what anybody else does. Let me be clear. I don't care what anybody else does. Acuna is the National League MVP. I don't give a damn what anybody else does. Because if he plays his cards right, he's going to have a 40-70 season, B.
1: You think right. he can't hit
0: 10 more home runs? You think he can't hit 10 more home runs before the season's out?
1: Seriously. He hits them in bunches, too. That's the thing.
0: Exactly. So, you know, I'm not trying to hear about anybody other than – listen, I love Mookie Betts. And I wanted the Yankees to, 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 to get him, okay? And, of course, they didn't, but that's a conversation for another day. <laughs> We're not going down that particular rabbit hole. <laughs> excuse me. Uh, excuse me. But Acuna has a, I honestly think he will. I think he's going to be a 40-70 guy. 40-70. Think about that.
1: If he does that, it's over. I I don't care what anybody. If he if he somehow finds a way to hit ten more home runs in the last month of the season, it's all over. Like you can hang it up. Yeah. It, I mean, and I, I think even if he goes thirty five seventy, but yeah, if he goes forty seventy, uh, you can hang it up. Because here's the other thing that that I'm impressed with with Acuna is not only does he go get the ball and rob home runs in right field, Mookie is probably a better defender, but Acuna is not a bad right fielder at all. Um, he's he's actually really good out there. But the, the other thing that that I've been impressed with this year, Chandler, watching Acuna, he's really cut down on his strikeouts, and he's really cut down mm-hmm. on his chase rate, right? right? So now his on-base percentage is a good 70, 80 points higher than his batting average now, right, where it used to be much closer. Uh, but now mm-hmm. he's cut he's cut down on that and so the crazy thing is he leads the world in runs scores. He leads everybody in baseball right. and still in bases. And not only that, he's got a chance of knocking he he could knock in a hundred runs this year. Right? Like right. he it, it's if you look down like, okay, you look at the stats that you would want from a leadoff hitter. He checks those boxes, right? And then you right. start looking through the categories that you would want to see your cleanup hitter represented in. Well, he checks those too, right? Like, <laughs> and and Mookie does the same thing. But it it just to me it, the the season that Acuna has put together. Um, right now, that, that being said, if if the Braves can somehow go in there and find a way to get three out of four and Acuna mm-hmm. has a big series, I think that sort of dampens some of that, right? Because now, instead of being four games back, the Dodgers are now six back with less than a month, you know, in the race for the best right. record of the National League. I did say this before, though. This was the year to get the Dodgers, and nobody in the West was able to do so. Uh, and now they've got a commanding lead in that division. I think this team's going to make some more moves now that they've seen some of their kids. Uh, I think this team's going to be better next year. Um, Right. The other thing that I gave you shouts out on, by the way, since you just mentioned the Yankees and the New York teams, I said that the Mets and Yankees are both doing something that you and I were both screaming they should have done at the beginning of the year. Uh, Jason Dominguez is going to come up and probably play center field now that Harrison Bader has been claimed by the Reds. Uh, But they're bringing him up. Uh, Paraz is coming up, Austin Wells is coming up The Mets are bringing up Ronald Mauricio Who's probably going to play third base Since Mark Viento struggled uh, So They're finally starting to do What they should have done in April And to me yeah, The whole reason why they're doing this Is to try to keep their fan base interested in September They could say, oh no We want to give them a look And we want to see what they look like And kind of give them an extended audition for next year no, don't give me that. If you really wanted to give them a look, what? you'd have brought them up when you had games that matter. Um, they are bringing up these prospects, the Yankees with Dominguez and Henderson and Austin Wells behind the plate. The Yankees are doing this to try to keep their fans interested in the last month of the season. The Mets yeah. want people to come out and let's, let's get a look at Ronald Mauricio. Maybe we need to go out and see him play. Uh, they're doing this mm-hmm. to try to keep their fans engaged. In the last month of the season, let's not let, let's not claim it's for any other reason. That's why it's happening.
0: Yeah, and it, it but go ahead. No, no, I'm fighting with this, this this ESPN app right now. It's pissing me off. Go ahead.
1: <laughs> no, nah, but so they're doing this to get these to to try to keep their fan base interested. I I will say this though, I'm a lot more interested in and in looking at the Yankees now with these kids playing, because I want to see, you know, can Austin Wells hit major league pitching? Uh, what does Dominguez look like? Uh, what kind of adjustments can he make? I, I, I want to see these kids play. I want to see Ronald Mauricio play. He's a guy I've been wanting to see in the majors all year. And you can't tell me with the way Jeff McNeil was hitting early in the season. He's come around and hit better lately. But mm-hmm. with the way he was hitting earlier in the season, with the early season struggles of Mark Canna, with guys like Daniel Vogelbach in your batting order. With Brett Beatty struggling, mm-hmm. with Martin Vientos struggling, uh with all the different things that you had to go through this year, you can't tell me that Ronald Mauricio shouldn't have been up at the major league level before now. Uh, you, I I can't yeah. you can't convince me of that. Um and you know, I, I I mentioned this earlier. I've heard talk that the that the Mets may try to trade Pete Alonso in the offseason. Mhm. Um to me I, I mean, maybe you do it if you feel like you're more than a year or two away to try to see what you can get back and if you can start to rebuild your system. Uh but to me um if I'm Francisco Lindor, I'm pissed if you do that. Uh and I also if I you know, I, I think Lindor probably got too much money in the first place, though. So I don't know that he's that kind of player. Um, but exactly. but we'll see yeah
0: it's 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 um it's messed up man it's messed up because um both of these teams could have had very different outcomes if they if the manager in on one team and the general manager on the other had just been willing to not be so damn arrogant and it's really just that simple. You know, it's really just that simple. Interesting. Uh, such a thing. Yeah, and, and they still haven't. They're still not going to bring up Mauricio. By the way, they're still not going to bring him up.
1: I think he's coming up tomorrow. Stay better. Stay better. I think I read today but, he's coming up tomorrow.
0: And, and the thing is, I would have brought Dominguez up to start the season. He would have been my left fielder until um, Bader got hurt, because we all know Bader. We, we knew Bader was getting hurt this year. They and then Bader good. would have never got the job back. Because
1: I, I, would, have, I would have done the same thing. I, I'll be honest with you. I would have done the same thing with Domingos, that the Braves, once Bader got hurt, I would have done the same thing mm-hmm. with Dominguez that the Braves did with Michael Harris last, last year. They brought him right. up around June 1st, and they said, here's what we're going to do, kid. We're going to bat you ninth. The most important thing right now that you could do for this team is go get the ball at center field because even though he's got a good bat, Adam Duvall ain't cutting it at the center field, right? So go get the Mm -hmm. ball at center field. We're going to bat you ninth. Anything that you give us offensively will be gravy. We'll take it. We appreciate it. And and we're not going to, uh, you, you know, we'll, we'll, We'll dab you up. We'll give you props when you when you produce offensively. And if you produce offensively, so much the better. Now, what did he do? The Braves were like the most productive team out of the number nine hole of last season because of what he gave them. But it's because you put him in a position that said, your main job is to go get the baseball. Well, you've been doing that for years in center field. So, uh, now you can. You don't have to worry about being in the middle of an order. You don't have to worry about anything. You just hit. you in the ninth hole. You take your swings. You take your hacks. You learn as you go. And there's not really a whole lot of pressure associated with being in that spot in the back order. And that's what they did with him in the first. I would have done the same thing with Dominguez if I were the Yankees. We are down to 90 seconds, Chandler. Uh, this has been a fun a much quicker second hour. I'm I'm glad you were here. Hope to have you in uh, next week again to start of the show. Anything you want to say real quick before we got to cut out of here? We get cut off by this nice lady whispering in my um, ear.
0: Yeah, listen again. I apologize, everybody. It's it's a lot going on in my life right now. It's really hectic, and I'm not really getting um I'm not getting any damn sleep to be quite honest with you. But it was a lot of fun being able to do with you talk some college football. You though know, I can't watch the damn game on my on my Samsung TV. I, I'm about to lose my mind, uh, but I just have to go and watch on the terrible Fire TV. But as always, um, say yes, say yes, say yes to life. That's all I got, Mike.
1: And when you were out last week, I keep repeating that mantra in your stead, man. I appreciate you. SportsCityChefs.com. Check us out. Check out our shows, 9 p.m. Eastern throughout the week, 11 a.m. on Sundays. Laissez les bon temps And it's time says, tell a friend to tell a friend that it's the chefs again. And if they don't know, now they know. Peace. We out of here. We'll be back next Thursday night. Appreciate you, Chandler. Peace, everybody. All right, bud.